excited to see all of you guys. Do you feel like I'm about to do more announcements? This is the next 30 minutes worth of announcements. You're going to love it. Well, my name is Stephanie Robison. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Momentum Church. Um, one of the things that I love most about life is relationships. If you've been around me for any length of time, you know that I love relationships, whether they are the superficial relationships that we just met, maybe I met you at the grocery store, in line somewhere, or those deep, meaningful connections we have with people. I love relationships and having relationships with people. And so today, I'm excited to talk about um, our core value, authenticity in relationships. Over the past several weeks, we've been talking about this whole idea of hope don't quit and how that ties into um, the core values, not just of Momentum Church inside these walls, but as us individually out in the world. How do these core values affect us, how we live, and who you are? And so today is the last day of the Hope Don't Quit series. Who's sad? Last day of Hope Don't Quit. Except for all the people who are like, Grammar Nazis, you're like, finally, this series is over. We need some punctuation. There needs to be an E and an S in doesn't. I know I've seen you. You've added to your Momentum shirt. You took a white paint pen and you added that in. I've seen you. I know who you are. I got your number. And so, but today we're finishing off that series. And, man, I'm excited to talk to you about, um, again, this idea of authenticity um, in relationships. Um, and the way that we kind of define it around here. Um, is that we value genuine relationships uh, that give us the freedom, or um, I'm sorry, that give us the freedom to express doubts and fears, and a platform to proclaim our victories um, and our discoveries. And isn't that that sounds nice? That we made that sound really nice and all packaged well. Um, but really, that our lives are kind of made up of different relationships, um, and the, and how deep. Um, we can get into those relationships affect how authentic we can be in our relationships. I think one of my favorite relationships I have right now is with my next door neighbor, Barbara. Some of you have heard me talk about Barb's, and she is fantastic. Um, back in April, my husband and I, it's, where's Tom? There's my husband, Tom. Everyone say, hey, Tom. <laughs> True story. He is so hot, he had to become a firefighter. Isn't that crazy? No lie crazy times. We bought a house back in April, and Barbara is our next-door neighbor. Um, it did not take us long to meet Barbara. Have any of you, you have that neighbor that made themselves very available to you? Like, you just want to get home, get into your driveway, open the door, get into the garage, but somehow, like, they make their way to you? Barbara was that person in our life. We, um, when we first moved in, we had to put up a privacy fence along the front of our house that our dogs didn't talk to the mailman and the neighbors and anyone else who may have possibly considered walking in front of our house. Um, and we'd be out working on the fence, and by we, I mean Tom. And Barbara would yell, Tom, you're doing it wrong. Stephanie, she's doing it wrong. That's her voice, and it's fantastic. And so she, and she would find us. If we were outside, we were doing yard work, she would holler at Tom about how he was being too loud and how did she need to come over there and do that for him, um, our little old lady neighbor. But she's fantastic. I love her. And you know these people. These relationships um, are, are what make up life, right? Whether it's our neighbors or, or friends or co-workers, our family life um, is made up of these relationships. So when I started looking at what does it look like to have authentic relationships, what, what does the Bible say about how we should live out the relationships in our lives, whether that's with the Barbaras in our lives or our friends and family, I thought, well, Jesus is kind of a good example. So like maybe we should look at how he had relationships with people and model our relationships after him, right? 
Um, and I think before we can kind of get into talking about the relationship that he wants us to have with other people, with the Barbaras and, again, the friends and families of our lives, we kind of have to look at um, two other relationships, two other relationships that Jesus modeled. Um, the relationship that we have with a father and that relationship that we have with ourselves. And so we look at this relationship um, that Jesus had with God, the Father. And we're going to look in John chapter 12 and verse 27. If you want to take your Bible, you can turn there in your tangible Bible you brought here to Momentum Church today. Or it's going to be up on the screen behind me. Or if you have the Momentum Church app, you can find it there too. Many ways that we conveniently made the Word of God available to you today. But in verse 27, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And as I read that, I see that Jesus has this authentic enough relationship with the Father that he can express this doubt, that he can express this fear, the thing that he knows is coming, this impending death that he knows is, is coming. And I think a lot of times we think that Jesus, like, never worried about anything, and he was... He was totally cool with the whole idea of, like, death and crucifixion on the cross and that it was going to hurt, but it's totally going to be fine. But the Bible says that he looks to the Father and he says that my soul is troubled. I feel like sometimes when we, when our souls are troubled, we tend to feel that we are the furthest from God. But I think that and when we have that authentic relationship with the Father where we can express those fears and those doubts, that's when we are able to have relationships that look the most like Jesus, where we can look to our Father and say, now my soul is troubled. But I love what Jesus went on to say later in that verse where he says, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. As if to say, my soul is troubled, and man, I don't know if I want to do this. But I know I can come to you as a father and bring that to you. But then he also speaks over the impending victory in his life. But he says, Father, glorify your name. What a neat relationship that he has with the Father, authentic relationship where he can have both of those things. And then we look, as, as he, again, has that authentic relationship with the Father, and he has that authentic relationship um, with, his, with himself. And I know it's kind of weird to think about, like, having a relationship with yourself, um, but and you can be honest, and y'all feel free to be verbally involved in this conversation at different times in life. Don't you think about yourself differently? We all go through seasons of life that maybe you lied to yourself. Maybe someone else lied to you, lied about you. Maybe you believe lies that the enemy spoke over your life. At different seasons in life, we approach ourselves differently. We think of ourselves differently. And a lot of times, um, it may not be that authentic, authentic truth that we need to be speaking to ourselves and about ourselves. But this is what Jesus said when he was honest with himself. He said, so we're going to skip on down to verse 31, still in John chapter 12. And he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from this earth, will draw people to myself. Later on, he's going to go on to say, I am the way and the truth and the light. No one comes through to the Father but through me. How neat is that for him to be able to say, 
These are the things, these are the authentic truths about me, about who I am, about who the Father created me to be. And I would venture to guess that our ability to authentically relate to ourselves depends on, hinges on, if you will, having an authentic relationship with the Father. Because how do we look at ourselves, truly look at ourselves and what we were created to do and who we were created to be, honestly look at ourselves until we have that relationship with the Father where we're able to take what he has spoken over us, what he has said is true in our life, and be able to, to live that out. I think that authenticity will always breed confidence. If you have an authentic relationship with God, you're going to be able to have confidence that what he has said to you and about you is true. When you have relationships with others, um, when you have co- you'll have confidence in that relationship when it's authentic, for better or for worse. <laughs> Authenticity lets you know who you can depend on and who you can't depend on, who you can believe, who you can't believe, who you trust and who you don't trust. Authenticity always breeds um, confidence in, in our relationships. And so I love that, that Jesus, as he's modeling to us what our relationships should look like, that he's, he shows us that, that our relationships, if they were always good all the time and we never express any doubts and fears, that's not authentic. And if it was always horrible and always bad and we never took a chance to celebrate with friends, to celebrate with God the things that he's working in our lives, that's not authentic either. I love how Jesus shows us, like in so many other areas of life, finding the balance that we need to be able to do both of those things, to have authentic relationships. So if we look at that, we look at, okay, this, this is the standard, this is the example that Jesus has set for us. This is what he would want us to do, how he would want us to live these relationships, again, with the Father and ourselves, now we can take that. If we understand those things, if we can truly live and walk in that authenticity, in that confidence, I think then we can start to move on to having authentic relationships with other people. Because honestly, if you're not authentic with yourself, it's really difficult to be authentic with other people. And so we've been using this chair as kind of um, a symbol in the Hope Don't Quit series. Uh, we saw people sit in this chair and tell their stories. We just watched a video of people sitting in this chair. I loved um, Andrea. I love that her feet didn't touch the floor. It was so cute. Did y'all notice that? It was so cute. I love her. Um, but we've been hearing people's stories of hope over um, the past several weeks. And so today we want to look at what does it look like that we found this hope, we're able to sit and and talk about the things that God has done in our life. But what does it look like to then take that hope and shift it to interacting with other people, to interacting with the other relationships that, that Jesus would want us to have, those relationships, again, with, with the Barbaras or the family members, the coworkers, whoever that is in your life that God has given you. What does it look like to shift that authenticity into those relationships? So, again, Jesus is a pretty good example. So we're going to follow his example of how we, um, how we live out these relationships. And we're using this table because it's hard to sit eye-to-eye with people and not be authentic. You can only sit eye-to-eye with people for so long before the truth is going to come out. You know this because you pick and choose who you invite to Thanksgiving because you know it's only so long that you sit around that table before the truth comes out. And so... We're going to continue to look at these relationships. We're going to look at what God wants us to have. Jesus, at one point, sat around a table with 12 of the most authentic relationships that he had. 
him and the disciples sat around a table um, for what they didn't know at the time was the Last Supper, but it was just supper for them, but it turns out it was going to be the last one that they had. And so we are looking at this, at this situation that the disciples and Jesus find themselves in. Jesus has washed their feet. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Marvin talked about, he used this chair as an example, as we talked about our responsibility to our community. Jesus, as he, he just washed their feet, and he sits down with them. They're going to have this last supper. And in the middle of, of that, this is what he tells them. In verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Who, who has their phone turned on still? Jeez Louise, that's rude. <laughs> She's coming to the next service. <laughs> so this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, we'll know you by the text messages that you get. No, he says, we'll, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I wonder who people think we're disciples of if they look at how we love people. And we could break that down and talk about that for the rest of the day. But, I said, but we're not. We're going to move on. But I want us to think about that as we go through the rest of this talk. If people look at us and how we love people, who do they think that we're disciples of? Who do they think that we're trying to imitate? Who do they think that we're trying to be most like if they look at how we love other people? I think Jesus knew that something changes when we get eye to eye with people. That when we sit and we share stories, or again, we sit and share a meal, that something happens when we get eye to eye to people. There's been few people, actually none that I can think of in my life, that once I've heard their story, I've had a hard time loving them. It's difficult to love people once you know what they've been through, once you know their story of hope or maybe their story of hopelessness because they haven't experienced that hope yet. It's hard to sit next to people and look at them, know what they've been through and still have a hard time loving them. Authenticity happens when we get eye to eye with people. And it's not always pretty, right? Authenticity does not always equal happiness. In fact, Jesus, as he sits here and he gives this commandment to love each other, love people like I have loved you, he says that smack in the middle of being betrayed by two guys at that table, two of the most authentic relationships that he has. Right in that passage, go back and read it. Before he, makes, he gives them this commandment, he's talking about Judas. Judas is about to sell him out, sell him out for some silver, and then Jesus says, love one another with that I've loved you. And then right after that, he's talking about Peter. Peter's about to, to disown him. He's looking at him and he says, you're going to tell people you don't even know who I am. But he says, love them anyway. Because he couldn't quit on them. Because they mattered more than their next action. They were more valuable to Jesus than the next mistake that they were about to make. He knew that, and he said, love him anyway. He said, I know this is what you're going to do. 
but I will die so that you have the hope that will allow you to sit back at my table. That's the kind of love that he's speaking to them. That's the kind of love that he's telling them, this is what I want you to live out, is a love that will say, love them anyway, that we can't quit on them because he didn't quit on them. In fact, when the Bible talks about heaven, it uses a picture of a table. There's a parable of a great banquet. When Jesus says, go out to the highways and byways and tell people they're invited, I'm throwing a party. And then he says, go out into the streets, go out into the alleys and tell people they're invited. Go find the people and the places that you wouldn't normally go and tell them I've got a seat for them. Go find the people that you wouldn't normally find yourself around, the people that maybe you'd cross the street if you saw them coming down the road. Or maybe you saw them out in their front yard and you just opened the garage door hoping to get in before they could make their way to your yard. Go out and find them and invite them because I'm throwing a party and they're invited. Because that's how Jesus loves. He invites us all to the table. Everyone's invited. So with that in mind, how do our tables look? Not just the tables in our homes, but the tables in our hearts. Who have we invited to our tables? Because the example that Jesus is giving us is that people matter. People matter despite what they've done. People matter despite what they're about to do. People matter more than our opinions. People matter more than our politics. They matter more than our theology. They matter more than where they've been and where they're going to be. Jesus says that they matter. They matter more than where they fit in the constructs of our mind, of where we think that they should be or where they have come from. Jesus says that they matter. Maybe that's the coworker that you look at and you say, you irritate me, but you matter. And you've got a place at the table. Maybe it's that family member that you're dreading to see this, this holiday season. But you're invited to the table. Maybe it's that person who's hurt you. And you said, you've quit on me. But they're still invited to the table. What if God's invitation for them to his table means they're invited to our table. Because treating people authentically lets them know they matter. Not just to us, but to God. Not just to us, but to Jesus. That you have a place at my table despite what you've done. You've quit on me. Jesus looked and said, Judas, you quit on me. But you're invited to my table. Peter, you quit on me, but I died for the hope that invites you back to my table. And that's what we have to do for people. Because there's coming a day when we're all going to sit at the same table. And I wonder if the people that will sit across from us there were people who were willing to invite to our table. has the hope that you need 
you have the hope that they need. And we can't afford to quit on either of those hopes. People don't necessarily need more friendships. People need more authentic, stubborn relationships. People who are willing to quit on them. Again, no matter what they've done, where they've come from, where they're going, people will say, you've got an invitation to Jesus' table, so you've got an invitation to mine. Jesus died so you would have a place at his table, so you will always have a place at mine. We'll serve by my friend Barbara. So, said we've had lots of interactions with Barbara. Barbara's again slowly becoming my favorite person. We talk about all sorts of things over over the fence. She's one of those people that as long as you will stand and talk until you have a legitimate emergency something that she deems is a good excuse before you're allowed to leave the conversation. A couple of months ago, I got an awesome birthday present. I came home after having dinner with, um, a late dinner with my parents, and um, Barbara had sent me a text message as I was driving home. She said, hey, your garage door's open. It's getting dark outside. Do you want me to close it? And because I don't want to die, I didn't text message her back as I was driving. And so when I got home, she was on her back porch, and she can see me from my driveway as we pull in from her porch. And she came out, and I walked over, and we're standing there. It's late, and it's dark, and we're talking to Barbara. She said, why are you out so late? Having dinner with family. What did you do today, Barbara? She had gone and seen a movie with her grandson. I never heard her talk about her grandkids before. So she starts telling me, I'm like, well, who, how many grandkids do you have? Who, you know, how old are they? What y'all, what movie did y'all see? And she starts telling me about all her grandkids. And then she stops. She gets kind of quiet. And she says, I've got one great-granddaughter. She says, I haven't seen her in a long time. I kind of had a falling out with my son, and he's keeping my, my grandkids and this great-granddaughter from seeing me. All I want is to be able to hear her voice again. And she said, I know it's me. I got a lot of problems. I've been in therapy two times a week for the past six months. I know I got problems, but I'm getting better. And through the ray of the floodlight, tears start streaming down her face. And she says, I know what I've been. I know where I'm coming from, but I'm getting better. And I just wish my son would give me the chance to let him see that. And as she looks at me and she's crying, I was just like, oh, this is what it means to have authentic relationships. Where she can express the, the fears and the, the doubts that she has about not hearing her granddaughter's voice again. But she can also say, I know I'm getting better. I know I'm making progress. But, but those relations, you don't get to have those relationships until you've yelled about Tom building the fence wrong. Or until you sit around and talked about the dog, you've gotten eye to eye. So in this case, it wasn't at a table, but over a fence. It takes having those relationships to let people know they matter. So then you can have the conversations, those authentic conversations that let people express their fears and doubts. But say, I'm not who I used to be. 
this is where I've come from. This is what is happening in my life. This is where God is moving me towards. I've done a lot of relationships wrong, so you know you're excited when you're like, oh, this one's going right. Finally. I looked at her and said, Barbara, I don't know if you pray, but I do, and I believe that God sees every tear that you cry. And we're going to be praying for you, and I haven't gotten the good news yet that she's seen her great-granddaughter, but I know that it's coming. I know that's coming down the pike for her. So I want to have more relationships like that we can look each other in the eye and say, I've got fears, i got doubts. But man, we're not going to end there. And foster those relationships that bring about hope and freedom. I want to end with this quote from Mother Teresa. She's pretty smart and helpful. And she said, do not think that love in order to be genuine has to be extraordinary. What we need is to love without getting tired. Be faithful in the small things, because that's where your strength lies. Hope is built in those small things. Hope is built one invitation at a time. doesn't have to be extraordinary. Again, people don't need extravagant relationships. They just need people who won't give up on them. And we saw Jesus model that to us time after time, that he wouldn't give up on us, his love that won't quit. And that's what we want to continue to do. That's who we want to continue to be. That's who I challenge all of us to be again, because this isn't just a core value of Momentum Church inside these walls. This is to be the core value of who we as individuals strive to be, right? And luckily when we all come here together, we get to do that all together here in one house. But it's not just a value we put on paper, something that we should strive to live individually, week in and week out. Relationships that model his love. So people know that we're his disciples when they see the love we have for each other. We're going to pray here, and Pastor Ross is going to come. He's going to lead us in communion. He's going to lead us around that table that Jesus sat at many, many, many years ago. Before we do that, I want to pray with us. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you say, Stephanie, I don't have an authentic relationship with the Father. I hear you talking about have this relationship where you feel free to express to him fears and doubts and victories. I don't know what that looks like. But maybe you interacted with someone who's had that hope. You say, that's something that I want today. We're not going to embarrass you, but if you would, just hold up your hand. You say, I want to start that relationship today. I want to start having an authentic relationship with a father. decision you can make after service we would love for you to go out to the next steps room we've got a resource for you we want to pray with you today because you can have that authentic relationship because he wouldn't quit on you maybe you're in this place and you say stephanie 
authentic relationships are hard for me. Too many people have quit on me for me to feel like I can just keep going with other people. But I want to make that decision today that I'm going to start living authentic relationships that model the love that he had for me even when I didn't deserve an invitation to his table. If that's you, I just love you. Lift up your hand and look at me. I just want to see your eyes. Pray for you today. Father, I thank you so much for a room full of people, God, who are striving to be more like you. God, we know that we get it wrong. We know that we're going to get it wrong some more, God. But I thank you that you have an authentic love for us that just won't quit. God, I pray for my friends in this place. God, as we go from here, God, as we continue to look at the relationships that we have in our lives, God, help us to live them authentically. So that when people see us, they don't just see us, they see you. Because they see that the love that we have for others. God, we thank you for the hope that you have given us. God, help us to be good stewards of that hope as we live it out to the people you've put in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. This whole series has been a series, I believe, that speaks to what we receive and to what we give. That hope. How many here has received the hope of Jesus Christ in your life? Give God some praise. Amen. Let that be the ovation of the morning. Can you give God a little bit more praise, amen? The ovation of the morning. Yes, Lord. So that hope is what we receive, but that hope is also what we give. And I, and I believe that night there at the Last Supper, there was a picture of that, that, that he was going to receive, give them this new covenant to walk after. But he was also giving them a responsibility to give, to live, to love in a way that he had modeled. And this whole series, we've gathered around the table of this kind of conversation as God has challenged us to receive his hope. <laughs> Brandon, as God has challenged you to receive his hope, you're a great model of this. You've received that hope. And at times with adversity, but you've received it, you know. But then you've given that hope so deeply. I'm so proud of you, you know. And I can look at so many others in this room that I feel the same about. You know, that you receive deeply and you give deeply. And that evening, he was with his disciples and he's asking them to receive of this new covenant. And to be reminded of all that that covenant means. That grace, that, that provision of God to bring hope that changes everything. And then, as Pastor Stephanie so eloquently brought to us today, that responsibility to go forth and to love one another. Man, and in that, they will know that we are his disciples. I don't want to just be churchgoers. You know what I'm saying? I want to be his disciple. How many want to be his disciple? One that walks and follows in his way. And if that's the case, we've got to be people that receive hope and give hope. And we've learned all this series what that looks like. 
That idea of drawing close to God in intimacy. The idea of living lives that are intentional. The idea of walking out authentic relationship. That idea of, of as Pastor Marvin brought to us, that, that, that commitment to community and what that looks like. Last week, the relevancy of God's Word to our lives and how it shapes and changes us. You can't give something you don't receive. You've got to receive from His Word to have something to be full of, to pour forth. Amen? So we've seen all that. And generosity, as I preached a few weeks ago, just that commitment to model the sacrificial character of Jesus in every way, in giving and serving. Just that people would look at our actions and what we do, and they would see hope in us, and it wouldn't be our hope. Amen? We're just mirrors and reflections of the hope of Jesus. And they would look at us, and they would see, they would see Jesus. How many want Jesus to be seen? Amen? Man, if we have a passion for hope not to quit in and through us, Jesus will always make himself known. So today what we're going to do is take communion and just kind of close this series out. And I want you to think through those six values that we espouse as a community of faith. And I want you to ask the Lord today as we take communion, is there things in here that I struggle with? That, that, that commitment to community, that, that idea of mission outside the four walls of this church. Is that something I struggle, struggle with? And submit it to the leadership of Jesus. Relationships, is there an area that you struggle with? And submit it to the leadership of Jesus. I'm still learning to love my neighbor. Working hard at it. Had an adverse thing last week happen. I was like, Lord, I've come so far. Yet again, a setback. But I'm not going to stop trying. I need to submit that at the altar today. Amen? So I don't know what it is for you, but we need to be dispensers of hope. And that means we receive and we give hope freely. What, what may be keeping you from receiving what God has for you? Pastor Stephanie, she hit on a little bit today. Is there self-image and things that keep you from receiving? If so, give it to Jesus today. What keeps you from giving that hope? And if there's selfishness there, a lack of priority, if there's a sense in your heart that, that I, I know what I need to do, I just can never do it. Submit that today to the leadership of Jesus as we worship and as we take communion. Amen? On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you take this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, right now, I thank you that this bread represents your presence. And where your presence is, there is hope. Where your presence is, there is victory. Where your presence is, Lord God, there is freedom. And Lord, I praise you for that liberty that comes. And today we celebrate the hope that we have in you, Jesus. And as we partake of this, Lord God, you are incarnational. Jesus, you came. God in flesh. And as we take this bread, God, we ask that you would empower us to live out incarnationally in our world the hope that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would. In a like manner, after supper, after supper, after 
the dinner had taken place, after that idea of betrayal and shortly soon coming denial, after he had spoken love each other, love one another deeply, after that he took the cup and he said, this is a symbol of the new covenant. Drink this and as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you that this shed blood of yours covers every sin. We thank you that on the whipping post, Lord God, when you bore stripes upon your back, it was for our healing. When you were bruised, it was for our iniquity. When you were chastised, Jesus, it was so that we could walk in peace and be shalom, be peace to others that we come in contact with. There is power in this blood. Jesus, today we honor you and we thank you for your covenant of grace that you've invited us to come in. Your covenant of hope that you've given us an invitation to partake in and to be dispensers of in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would. Can you give God some praise? Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Well, guys, tonight we'd love to have you come back. If you haven't checked out Most Essentials, come back at 5 to 8. Child care is provided. A meal is provided. You get to hear from myself, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Amy, Pastor Brantley, as we just kind of give you a heads up on all things Most Essential. And, um, yes, it is one of those things that's required for membership, but you don't have to, after tonight, become a member. You can come check things out. Keep kicking the tires on the things around here. But we'd love for you to come. We won't offer another Most Essentials until probably the end of January with the holidays and everything. So uh, this would be a great night to come. We'd love to have you be there. And um, and also can't wait to be back in the pulpit next week. Get to, I got a word for you. I cannot wait to preach that, 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 that Sunday before um, we fill ourselves with turkey, tryptophan, and cranberry sauce. Hallelujah. And so next Sunday, I got a word. I got a, I got a fat-reducing, calorie-reducing word for you. Prevenient word for you to help you with things. Yeah. So next Sunday, I can't wait to have you in the house. But um, we love you guys. As always, we'll see you next week. And as always, we're with you on the journey. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.